Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. We're going to be talking today about putting off on wholesome speech and putting on edifying words. Let's give it up for Armana Rosa as she goes to translate for our Spanish speakers. During the service, if you ever see headphones, she is translating for them. And if you ever need the headphones, let us know, one of our ushers, as you come in. Today we're going to talk about taking off our bad speech, putting on good speech. We're in a sermon series to the book of Ephesians called In Him. Everybody say In Him. Thank you. I hope that you're reading the book of Ephesians with us once a week. And today I'll tell you what, you're going to be in for an interesting message. I guarantee you, you've never heard one like this, probably ever in your life. So get ready for it. The book of Ephesians, and all of our notes are online and on our app, by the way. All of the uh, notes there remind us of this book that we're going through right now. And if you look at the screen, you'll see that we broke the book down into two sections, being heavenly minded, the first four chapters now being earthly good, the remaining uh, two and a half chapters here. And now we're on instructions for, Christians, uh, instructions for Christians living. And if you're keeping track with us today, we're on lesson number six. There's just 17 messages alone on learning to live like a Christian. Can I hear a what, what? Amen. And so today, as we learn to live like a Christian, we're going to learn to watch our words. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and onward says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. As you know, as we've been going through this, we can start right here and do the introduction for our message because we're not to think like Gentiles, non-Christians. We've already done some of the messages that talk about, you know, the things we're supposed to do differently, like having a good temper, not using anger to sin. We're also supposed to uh, not lie. We're not supposed to steal. How many have taken off the old, putting on the new? But guess what? We do the same thing now with our words. We are not to talk like the Gentiles, non-Christians. Think Gentile there, non-Christian. That's what it means. Non-Jewish specifically, but non-Christian in the general sense. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So what I want you to think about is what does the world do in their speech? How do they talk? If you just want an example of this, just look at our media. So I like to watch shows that relate to my generation. And uh, Dreyfus, uh, I forget her first name, but she was on Seinfeld. Anybody remember Dreyfus's first name? Louis Dreyfus. Dreyfus, thank you. Uh, she's in the new show. Well, it's not new, but it's on HBO Veep. What's it? Lois. There we go, Lois. And I wanted to check it out, but you know what? In a half hour of show, there was over 50 profanities. And I, how did I know this? Because I have the VidAngel app that allows me to stream Netflix and HBO and different shows with their uh, coming over it and censoring bad language. So I said, I want to watch this show. I knew I could never watch it on HBO. So I said, I'm going to get it, but I got to put on these settings. There were 25 F words in a 22-minute show. They also had Game of Thrones on there. I went to Game of Thrones. There was 150 things you could censor out of Game of Thrones. The new one on Netflix, Altered Carbon, Altered Carbon, because I like sci-fi, 250 questionable things. So this is popular now, by the way, as everybody's moving their new shows to these streaming softwares, uh, going away from CBS and public television. They're now going to these apps and letting it literally all hang out. Cable television is on there. And you guys remember the show Orange is the New Black and things like that. So think about this today. How does the world think and talk according to the what they believe? Dirty. 
filthy. And you may be on a job like that, that talks like that, where they think like that, where they act like that. You know why they do that? The Bible says they do it because they're ignorant. Everybody say they're ignorant. They're ignorant. And why are they ignorant? It says right here, they're ignorant because their hearts are hard. So those of you who have been watching those shows and you don't feel any conviction, it's not that you're so good of a Christian. It's that you're ignorant and your heart is hard. You're so numb to it, you don't even know the difference. My children, just to get you to the idea of what a children's conscience is like, my children can't even see two people kiss. That's just awkward to them, right? Let alone talking that vulgarity, that disgusting nature. You were not meant for that. Now, now we may say romantically, it's a little bit weird for kids. We get it. But we weren't meant to watch people have sex. We weren't meant to watch people uh, just, you know, like... uh, um, Uh, what is it called? Uh, The Walking Dead. We weren't supposed to watch the body be so mutilated and just disgusting ways, show after show. These things harden your heart. These things uh, make you numb to real life violence, to real life romance. Pornography desensitizes you to real life romance. And then the words that you speak, the Bible says they actually defile you. So you will be judged by your words. Look at your neighbor and say, altar calls now. I could just call you up right now. I could just call you up right now. How many would have to come? From the music you listen to, to the TV shows you watch, to the words you speak, most of us would be at this altar call right now just talking about our words. Verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Words that are wrong are impure words, and they are full of greed. And we talked about that last week, about stealing, how people are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you learned about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. How many were taught better when it came to your words? You were taught better, to speak better. That's why still today, in common vernacular, those are called cuss words, right? You were taught with regard to your formal way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. How many had an old self that talked that way? Only half of you? The other half of you never cussed? Never swore? Y'all looking like you never swore? I'm going to hold you to it now. I'm going to hold you to it. Let's be honest, a lot of us grew up like this, having double lives. I remember learning to cuss with my friends at the playground, then learning to stop when I got to the school. So, you know, got inside. And then as I became older, and you got to remember, I got saved at 18, so I didn't live very long as a sinner, but I sinned enough to know that I don't want sin. Amen. I, I learned enough about that. And, uh, you know, when it came to cussing, I, I had a pretty much two different vocabularies. By the time I was 18 years old, there was one way I would talk with my friends when I was out, and then there would be a whole other way I would talk when I'm on my job or I'm with my teachers, etc. And And not only would I cuss just out of anger, I would cuss to describe things. That's so effing cool. Oh, man, y'all going to get quiet on me now. I can see the kind of message this is going to be. You're just going to leave me hanging up here. That's okay. That's okay. I'll do that. I'll do that. But, uh, you know, I used to use the F word as an adjective. And, and I used to just swear, and I would swear at people, and then I would take the name of the Lord in vain. I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. But when I became a Christian, I did care. And it took a little bit. It was one of those things that didn't go away right away. It took about three months. And you know, the last time I swore, I was 18 years old at a skate park. 18 years old at a skate park. So I'm 41 now. So it was about 23 years ago. And I was skating, and I would fall. And, you know, as a skateboard, you get back up. And normally, I would cuss. And uh, I, I fell, and I just started cussing because that was normal to me. And you know who convicted me? My sinner skateboarding friend, he goes, Joe, dude, I thought you were a Christian, man. You're not supposed to cuss. And that's how we talked back then. We did drugs, too. And I wasn't doing drugs because I was saved, but that's how my friend was talk because he was on drugs. Hey, dude, you're not supposed to cuss anymore, man. You're a Christian now, dude. And I was like, 
uh, yeah, you're kind of right. I probably shouldn't anymore. And I'm being honest, that was last day I cussed. Last day I cussed, let's take a guess. I got saved in November, went to Bible college in August of uh, 96, got saved in 95. Uh, so th that January turned 96. So the summer of 96 was last time I cussed. When was the last time you cussed? Oh, you want to take the microphone now? It's your turn. Y'all looking at me crazy. Why don't you tell me last time you took the name of the Lord in vain, did something like that. Now, you may not believe it, but it's true. That's the last time I cussed like that. But you will see I have plenty of things to repent of myself as we get through further in the scripture here. So you were taught in regards to your old way to take off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Don't make excuses. Don't be deceived by your lies. Listen to what the word of God says about your words. Put on the new attitude of your minds. How many know you got to put on a new attitude in your mind? Because it's the way you think is the way you talk. And so you got to change your stinking thinking and you'll change the way you're talking. And to put on the new self created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. So we're supposed to be like God. Some may say like God. And God is what? He is righteous and holy. Thank you. Therefore, put off all falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. We talked about that. Put off lying. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Already talked about anger. Check out those messages if you missed them. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing, this was last week, steal no longer, but must work, do something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. How many are going to do that? Amen. Now on the count of three, let's read today's verse. One, two, three. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We need the slow song right now in the background and call you up because you know you've done this wrong. Come on, be honest. How many can just say, I want to see hands on this one. How many would be honest and say, this week I need to repent of this? I've let unwholesome words come out of my mouth. Now, y'all doing this other one right up here, which is this do not lie part right here. Y'all are doing this one right here. I'm going to ask again, and I want 100% honesty, 100% honesty. If I was to say, if you have sinned in your words this week, you need to come and get prayer. How many of you would have to come today and get prayer because you at least sinned in your words one time this week? Okay, I am not alone. Thank you. Well, how was I sinning? Was I cussing? No, I was speaking unwholesome. Even just speaking unwholesome words, things that don't help others, things that are wrongly critical, things that are harsh and mean can be considered unbiblical, ungodly. And look at the next verse, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do you think it's any coincidence that right around here when we're talking about words, we get right down to here about not grieving the Holy Spirit? No, because our words will grieve the Holy Spirit quicker than anything else. You want to know what will grieve the Holy Spirit, children with your parents? is children when you don't respect your parents. Parents, you know what will grieve the Holy Spirit in your relationship with them is when you cuss and yell and say mean and harsh things to them. Uh, married couples or dating couples, you want to know what will grieve the Holy Spirit in your relationship is you not watching your word. Somebody say, help us, Jesus. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We need you, Holy Spirit. The dove that rests upon Jesus, that rests upon Jesus's shoulder, that's how we need to go through life with the Holy Spirit, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, notice some of these things that I bold here that help us understand what we're not supposed to do with our words as the context continues. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of that with your words. Get rid of all rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. How many know you use your words to do those things? Amen. Follow God's example. Whose example? Are we supposed to follow Ellen DeGeneres' example? 
Is Ellen DeGeneres our example of what a godly sense of humor is? Is, is Ellen's our example of what we use our words to say about others? No, we follow God's example. Some of you are like, you give an Oprah a break? Yeah, I'm giving Oprah a break. I've moved over to Ellen now. Uh, for God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, and you could say talk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, okay, and a sacrifice to God. So Jesus died so we could talk better. Jesus, are you all getting this? Part of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was for our filthy words, for our harsh language, for the way we treat people. Now look at this, verse 3, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's people. Now watch verse 4, nor, everybody say nor, that means the list keeps going just like someone who's allergic to peanuts should not have a hint of peanuts, just like someone like me who's allergic to MSG can't be going down to Chang's all-you-can-eat buffet because they be pumping that stuff up with MSG. I will have a migraine like you can't believe for the next three hours. Anybody relate to that? MSG sensitivity. I know I'm a few, only a few of us, but man, I get blowed up at Chinese buffets. Just a hint of it. Nor should there be obscenity. Y'all want to repent up here yet? How about this? Foolish talk. How about this? Facebook videos. Coarse joking. You know you watch some of that stuff and you're like, man, I shouldn't be laughing at this. Some Saturday Night Live skits, shouldn't be laughing at this. Joke on the job, shouldn't be laughing at this. Obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather, what? Thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You cannot inherit the kingdom of God being impure in your words. As you will learn through today's message, message and today's sermon that Jesus called these kinds of words. He called them impure. They are not pure words, and you cannot inherit the kingdom of God talking like that. Let no one deceive you with what kind of words? Empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So there's a way we're supposed to talk. When we don't talk, we come under, uh, we, when we don't talk that way, we're disobedient, we come under God's wrath. What's the first thing somebody's going to say when they come under God's wrath or we tell them this about their words? They're going to now give you excuses. And those excuses, according to the Bible, are empty words. Well, you know what? That was just the way I was raised. You know, when I hit the hammer, uh, the hammer hits my thumb, I, I, just, I just say, you know, God, blanket. And that's just the way I was raised. Well, let me just tell you the way you were raised. You were raised as a sinner on your way to hell, and if you don't repent, the wrath of God is on you. Well, bop, 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 bop. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, that's just empty words to God. <sighs> Hot air. That's all that is. That will do nothing for you on judgment day. Repent now. Get serious when I talk like this. It's okay to still smile, but I'm being serious. Others of you say, well, you know what? Everybody on my job talks this way. Everybody on my job coarse jokes around. Everybody in the locker room talks like Donald Trump. And I, I can be a testimony to that. I'm not defending Donald Trump. If you want to know the things I've had against Donald Trump, this is numero uno, along with him cheating on wife and treating his women wrong. But let me tell you what. Hillary Clinton is even worse because she talks exactly like this. She's a filthy mouse person, and she She's a baby murderer, and she believes in infanticide, killing babies all the way up until the moment they're born, partial birth abortion. But let me just put out our president right here. His filthy mouth will hold him accountable on judgment day. That's why I do not think he's a true Christian yet. Hello? 
And guess what? I don't think you are either when you talk like that because I've been around men. I've been around men. Listen, every lady, you all look up at me. I'm going to tell you something about men. If your man ain't saved, he's talking just like Donald Trump. If not, if not, one inch away from it if not one inch away from it. He's talking about his body part. He's talking about women's body parts. He's talking about other women that aren't used body parts. He's talking about that all the time. I've been around enough dudes to understand that. Don't you give me that excuse, guys. Change your mouth right now. Repent. Don't give me empty words. Well, in my culture, it's okay. I don't care. Your culture ain't the right culture then. Christ culture, amen? Christ culture over American. I'm American, gosh darn it. That's the way we talk. I don't care if that's the way you talk. Uh, you're a Christian now. You were taught in your way of living to take off the old self and put on the new. And so this is what I pray for my president. Repent of your filthy mouth. Amen? Repent, Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, for your filthy mouth. And since I always like to share the, the load here, Hillary Clinton, repent for believing in murdering babies and for your filthy mouth. And Obama, repent for your socialism, murdering babies and for your filthy mouth, because they're all foul-mouthed. Amen. You all just don't want to hear that kind of preaching, but it's going to get a lot more rougher than that. I'm, what I'm about ready to preach to you, you guys have never heard before probably in church. I'm promising you. You're, you're going to want to record it and show your friends and be like, you have no idea my pastor said this kind of stuff, but I'm going to have to go there anyways. This is just the introduction. So let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For once you were darkness, but now you are light. How many of you are now children of the light? If you're not children of the light, become born again. Live as children of the light. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what I want to see in Donald Trump. That's what I want to see in foul mouth Hillary. That's what I want to see in foul mouth Obama. I want to see them live with goodness, righteousness, and truth. Don't just claim to be a Christian. Show me you're a Christian. Amen? All of our governmental leaders, all of our parents, show us that and find out what pleases the Lord. Now watch this. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Everybody say expose them. Everybody, about five people put this on Facebook in the first service. It's up to you how many want to put it on Facebook on, on the second service. Here we go. Social niceness is not equal to Christ-likeness. Sometimes we think that exposing people's sin is being mean. You see, I'm a public figure. I'm going to call out public figures. I'm not going to pull, pull, uh, pull out private people and, and use their names. But listen, Ellen DeGeneres can put my name on her show right now, put a video of this preaching and get everybody in her audience to laugh at me. That's okay. I'm a public figure. So I'm not going to name your name, but I deal with public figures. We are to expose them. I remember watching a show on Viceland, and it was interviewing these Christians, supposed Christians, who were marching around with signs telling homosexuals that they were faggots. And I hate that word, but I want to use the word so you can understand the context. I don't think it's a cuss word. I just think it's just a harsh word. And they were calling them that and wanting them to go to hell. And he was saying, man, how could Jesus be in this? And I agree. I agree. But then you know what he did? He goes and interviews a lesbian couple that has a church, and he says, you guys are so nice. You must be more Christian than them. And listen, both of them are going to hell according to the Bible. And here's the example that I love to give. If you're going to a doctor and you got three doctors to choose from, do you want Dr. Angry, Dr. Lie to you, or Dr. Truth? You see, if you go to Dr. Angry, and let's say you got something wrong right here in your appendicitis, you got appendicitis, you go to Dr. Angry, he'll be like, you got appendicitis, and I'm so glad that you do. I want to see you hurt. I want to see you in pain. I want to see you bent over groveling, right? You don't want that doctor. See, that's the guy who reads the Bible and uses hate through the Bible. The other one 
one is doctor lied to you. Oh, there's nothing there. You're actually feeling okay. Here's a lollipop. Go about your way. See, that's the lesbian couple lying to you, right? What is Dr. Truth doing? Hopefully you see this in me. Dr. Truth goes, hey, here's the truth. You have appendicitis. Yep, that sucks. It ain't cool. It's going to be a lot of surgery, medication. You're going to be out for a while. Here's the good part. We can get through this. You're going to have to trust me. Going to have to actually cut you open. It's going to seem it's going to seem counterproductive. You know, surgery seems counterproductive, doesn't? It? I'm going to cut you, make you bleed to get out the bad. Then it's going to heal you, right? Can we get part? Can we get past the cutting, bleeding, taking stuff out? No, got to cut, bleed, take stuff out. But that's Doctor Truth. How was Jesus? Was Jesus walking around just having a bunch of nicisms? Was Jesus doing that? No. Was Jesus walking around being angry? I want you all to go to hell. I can't wait to see you fry. No. What was he doing? He was telling you the truth. And sometimes the truth was you are going to hell. Sometimes the truth is you're not doing the right thing. And we're going to get to how real Jesus got. But at the same time, verse 12 is I'm not supposed to be TMZ up here because it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. And there are things going on right now in the gay and lesbian community that I can't even mention to you because it would be vile and it would be disgusting and there's no reason to introduce our children to that kind of vile sin. And I won't do it. I won't mention all the things that Islam does. I won't mention all the things that are happening around the world because it's shameful to do that. But we know the world is wicked. How many know the world is wicked? Okay, but we expose the wickedness and there are some things we say we're not going to talk about because we're not going to even give listening ears that kind of defilement. Now, verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Everything that's illuminated becomes a light. Watch this right here. Verse 14. That is why it is what? That is why it's. Come on, that is why it's said, using your words, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So you're not supposed to use your words in profanity and um, wholesome talk, but you are literally to use your words like Jesus used his words to raise Lazarus out of the dead. You are to call sinners to life. You are to go into this world and say, there's a better way, Lady Gaga. I want to call you to live for Jesus. There's a better way, Donald Trump. Rise up, O sleeper, Hillary Clinton. Rise from the dead, Ellen DeGeneres. There's a better way. You're to use your words to preach the gospel and call forth the dead to life. Come on, somebody. But you better be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. How many know I give you a lot of wisdom here? Amen. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How many need to know what the Lord's will is? You ask him and he will give it to you. And now do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. How many know when you get drunk, you say stupid things? Those of us who have had, uh, you know, the shame of being drunk, we said stuff we regretted, whether it was perverted, whether it was angry, or whether it was just foolishness. The first time my friends got me drunk, they recorded me because they wanted to see uh, what I would say. I was a 15-year-old kid, and they got me drunk at, at their parents' house. The parents actually gave me the alcohol. People in the suburbs do crazy stuff too, kids. Come on, somebody. Not proud of it at all, but they recorded me. And I was like, Mike from, Mike from Zibir. That's all I remember is saying Mike from some African country, and I made up a story about Mike from over here, and I was, I was drunk, and then later I ended up getting high, and they loved to make fun of me because I always hung around little kids. 
Bible says you do that, you don't have the Holy Spirit. How many want the Holy Spirit? Never a hangover, never say anything you regret if you follow the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And so this part right here is what we'll also talk about as we get to the last part of the book of Ephesians. But I just thought I'd throw it in here. We are to speak to one another with hymns and psalms and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from our heart to the Lord. We're always to give thanks to God for how many things? Everything. We use our words to do that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now, you may not want to start singing songs on your job, but I would say, why not? Give it a try. Maybe before you start working, I know sometimes at Walmart they do that. They're like, let's all sing a cheer together. You may want to be like, hey, Mike, before we sell cell phones, let's sing a song, you know? I don't know, but you can do it on your way to work. You can do it on your way home from work. Instead of cussing out the person in front of you, you can start singing songs to Jesus. The Bible says there should be a song in your heart, and you use your words in thanksgiving. Now, when we look at this passage of Scripture, we understand that it's pretty obvious, but I put it here in another translation so that you can understand how much your talk actually matters to God. In the NLT, it says, do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Think about the things that that passage teaches us. We're not to let unwholesome words come out of our mouth, which include curse words and destructive speech. You see, I told you I haven't cursed since, what, summer of 96? But I've said harsh things this week. I've said destructive things this week that I had to repent to, uh, for, repent to my wife for. So it's not just I don't cuss. It's are you using words that tear people down? Do you get angry quick and use your words in that kind of way? Let me show you this passage in James because I don't want you to think that I'm making up how serious God takes the Bible in these things. James chapter 3 warns us of, of the words that we use in our daily life and how God will hold us accountable to these. He actually says that the tongue is set on fire by the fires of hell. Not many of you should be teachers, my fellow brothers, believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So you guys are like, man, only God will judge me. That's a scary thing. You should think about that. And I think about that when I talk up here. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. We put bits into the mouths of horses to make them go in different directions. How many of you have seen horses with the bits in their mouth and it controls them, right? They obey us. We turn the whole animal. You can turn that whole thousand pound horse by putting that bit in its mouth or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot goes. How many understand that? These big uh, cruise ships have little rudders compared to how big they are. They're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pedal uh, pilot rather wants them to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Come on, somebody. Consider what a great forest fire is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Come on, somebody say hell. It's set on fire by what? Hell. Do you know that your words can ruin your marriage? You know that words can be spoken over your children that they'll never forget? Some of you are children that are now adults that don't forget words that were spoken over you. You need to take serious your words, my friends. And we'll pray for that at the end, those who carry around those words. God wants to set you free from what others have said. We're not to speak unwholesomely, but we're to edify each other. That means to build up. We should help them with our words, and then it should benefit those who listen. So those who observe our life, whether it's our children, our coworkers, our community, our neighbors, how many have people in your neighborhood or in your building that you can hear and they can hear you? 
Anybody got neighbors like that? Like, it's real easy to eavesdrop on them. I used to live in apartments. Like, I can hear everything you guys say, especially when your decibels go about this high. It's like, whoop, I'm hearing that whole conversation, Jack. So here's the deal. Your words need to benefit those who listen. Now, let me give you the last part of my introduction. Everybody say introduction. Here's the last part of my introduction. This would seem to be obvious right now to us and where I should end the message, but I'm not, but I will end my introduction here. Here is the conclusion of the matter of what we have learned thus far. Put off unwholesome words. Put on edifying words. Put off slander. Put on prayer and compliments. Put off obscenity. Put on purity. Put off foolish talk. Put on wisdom. Put off coarse joking and put on a holy sense of humor. Put off insincerity, insincerity and put on rebukes. The Bible says a uh, hidden love is of no value. An open rebuke, an open correction is better than hidden love. Put off disgusting, sinful conversations and put on beauty in your speech. Put off speaking death and put on speaking life. Put off complaining, put on singing praise and thanksgiving. Can I hear an amen? Now, right there, I could end the message. And we would say, Pastor, I got it. It's so simple. I'll just now apply it to my life. And I believe that you would. But there's this one little itsy-bitsy problem that happened in my closing verse. Here was going to be my closing verse right here. Turn with me in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. But now it starts my message. Somebody say, bring it on. I want to see if you can catch it. I think about 90% of the first service never would have caught it. I could have closed out the service with this verse, and no one would have thought twice about it. I'm going to read it uninterrupted, and you tell me if you caught it or not. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. And make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You broad of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For from the mouth, uh, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings up the evil things that are stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone, somebody say everyone, everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Every empty word will be brought up on the day of judgment for by your words you will be acquitted or by your words you will be condemned. How many think you saw up here the problem that I faced as a pastor making this my closing speech? Literally, band, come on up. Let's pray. By your words you'll be judged. Let's move on. But how many caught something there? Raise your hand if you think you got it. Not from the first service. Okay, most of you didn't get it. Here it is. Verse 34, what did Jesus call them? What did he call them? Did Jesus just cuss them out? He did. See, we have a problem now. We have a big problem, Houston. And this is, I can't highlight it. My my mouse is not working, but we got a problem. What you just heard was Jesus cursed somebody out. Let me explain it to you. Curse words are literally words that speak a curse. Now, I'm not talking about witch doctors and things like that. That's fairy tales. But what a literal biblical curse is, is saying God curses you, and I'm telling you why. And there are curses in the Bible, if you didn't know that. There are curses where God says, you do this, you're a curse. Galatians chapter 1, you preach another gospel other than the one Paul preached, you are cursed. Boom. 
Now, swearing is to, as we equivalent those, uh, we make those equivalent, is uh, people say, you know, don't swear, don't curse, like it's the same thing. They're not. Swearing says to take the name of the Lord in vain. I swear on the, the Bible, oh, Jesus, uh, you know, I swear on Jesus, this and that. The Bible says don't do that. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. So no swearing is obvious in the Bible. Jesus never swore, okay? But cussing literally means to tell somebody the curse of God. And here's the deal. In our vernacular, the words that we consider curse words, they're meaningful to us, but they would be absolutely meaningful, uh, meaningless to somebody 2,000 years ago. And somebody's cuss words 2,000 years ago would be meaningless to you. Let me give you the example. If someone was sitting here in a time machine from the time of Jesus and you called him a son of a bee, you son of a bee, they wouldn't even know what you're talking about. You call them a brood of vipers. You just cussed them out. You just called them the son of a bee in their culture. Hmm. Get your mind thinking. We ain't even close to done yet. I got so much more to share with you. But you got to let your mind be blown. See, now social niceness is not Christ-likeness. Why did Jesus contradict himself in the very passage? He just said, y'all are evil, and from the evil in your heart, you say evil things. You brood of vipers. You son of a bees. Why would he do that? Did he just contradict himself? No, because his words, though they were a curse spoken to them, they were for their benefit to build them up. And the Bible is full of it. Full of it. I'm not just talking about a couple passages in the Bible. I'm talking Jesus goes off and cusses out a whole lot of folks. Go to, John, uh, go to Matthew chapter 23, verse 15. Go to Matthew chapter 23, verse 15. Some of you saying, I, I still don't believe it. Well, you just tell me what this means then. Jewish people were the most holiest people. They were the people that were pure. He says, woe to you teachers of the, of the law and Pharisees. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And, you have, and when you succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Call me a son of a bee any day. Then call me a child of hell. Y'all don't get it. Woe to you, you blind guides. See, we use the F word a lot, don't we? F this. You know, F just means sex. And then somebody goes, you mother effer, you somebody who has sex with your mom. I am telling you, telling a Jewish person you have sex with your mom would not be as bad as what Jesus is telling them in these next few verses. Trust me, this was much worse. Look at what he says to them next. He says, woe to you teachers of the law, you hypocrites. He then calls them blind guides again. He then begins to rebuke them here. Now watch what he says right here. He says, you strain at a gnat but swallow a camel you swallow camels you are hypocrites look at what else he says you clean the cup on the outside but not the inside you are whitewashed tombs whitewashed tombs dude you think our cuss words would mean anything to them take the worst of our cuss words would mean nothing to them jesus is cursing them as much as he can right here full force doesn't even stop he keeps going on and on and on and then he says not just once now you got to understand jewish people jewish people are the sons and daughters of abraham and by that the sons and daughters of god they are literally the descendants of adam they are the children of god who is the bad person in their Bible? A snake. He says, you snake. You brought of vipers or brood of vipers. He said the worst possible thing these people could ever hear. You say, where did he get that? 
Do you know Jeremiah would cuss out people? Go to Jeremiah chapter 2. Go to Jeremiah chapter 2. I'm going to explain it to you. I got a lot more to say. This is where it's going to start getting cray. Somebody say it's about ready to get cray. I haven't even got to the cray part yet, and it's coming your way right now. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 23 is in the Bible. It is in the Bible. I didn't make it up. He says, talking to Israel, God speaking to them, we believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, how can you say I am not defiled? I have not run after the bales. See how you have behaved in the valley. Consider what you have done. You are a swift she-camel. You say, Pastor, I, I don't know what a she-camel is. It's worse than being a bee. What's a bee? A female dog. He just said, you're a swift she-camel running here and there, a wild donkey accustomed to the desert. Some of you thought about Shrek, donkey accustomed to the desert, sniffing in the wind in her craving. Why is, why is she sniffing in the wind? Why is this donkey doing that? Look at right here. You're doing that because you're in heat. Come on, help me out right here. I know it's just stuck, guys. Give me just a second. Give me just a second. I'm going to have to go old school here. In her heat, who can restrain her? You are like a donkey in heat. Y'all aren't even ready for the King James. This is where you may want to get out your phones and decide whether or not you show this to your parents. This is what the Bible says. I'm not even cussing like how you think, so I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Now look at this right here in verse 22. For through thou, excuse me, uh, let's go to verse 23. He says, how can thou say I'm polluted? I have not gone after the bales. See thy way in the valley. Know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary. See, aren't you glad for modern translations? You wouldn't even know what a dromedary was. You wouldn't even know they were getting cussed up. But you a swift she-camel. We know that's what a dromedary is. Traversing her ways, a wild ass used to the wilderness that sniffeth up the wind at her pleasure. A wild ass. You wild ass. That's what, that's, that's what the prophet said. You wild ass. Now you know right there you say, Pastor, I don't like it when you talk like that. That's the Bible. That's not even me. That is the prophet speaking. So where do you think our word of calling somebody a wild ass came from? It came from the Bible, you wild donkey. You wild ass. I said some people in the first service want to come to the second just to hear me say it again. <laughs> a wild ass. You ain't even ready for the worst part yet. You ain't even ready for the worst. It's one more worse. There's one more worse. Go to Ezekiel. Go to the book of Ezekiel. Go to the book of Ezekiel. This is the, somebody say, it's the Bible. Ezekiel 23, 19. Ezekiel 23, 19. Same era. Jeremiah and Ezekiel lived at the same time. I'm going to tell you what's going on here. Don't think I've, I've lost my mind, but I'm telling you what's going on here. I'll, I'll explain it all in a minute, but let me just read the Bible first. Talking about Israel again, yet she became more and more promiscuous as she recalled the days of her youth when she was a prostitute in Egypt. There she lusted, watch this, after her lovers whose genitals were like those of a donkey's and whose admission was like that of a horse. You want donkey genitals and the admission of a horse. Have you ever been to the zoo? 
How you, have you all ever seen the genitals of a donkey or a horse? I got my children here. I am not ashamed to preach this. This is the Bible. Have you ever seen the genitals of a donkey or a horse? It will intimidate any guy. It's like, Lord, that's natural. That's a real thing. Some of you Googling it right now. Genitals of a donkey and a horse. I know I'm never coming back to this church, but let me just see this picture before I leave with this crazy pastor. The gen, you, you want, you, you just don't want any kind of genitals. You want the genitals of a donkey. And you don't want to just have it come up in you any old such a way. You want what a horse emits up in you. Let's see this in the King James. Yet she multiplied her whoredoms in calling to remembrance the days of her youth, wherein she played the harlot, she played the hoe. In the land of Egypt, she dotted about the paramours whose flesh is the flesh of asses and whose issue is like the issue of horses. You say, man, the King James is a little nicer in this one because it says issue instead of emission. And, and, and it says the flesh instead of genitals. But the modern translation actually puts it there precisely. Now, what in God's green earth are you reading in your Bible? What are you reading in your Bible? You're reading the curses of God. And why did this mess me up? Am I proud to say these words in some kind of jovial way to make you all laugh? No. Why I wanted you to see this is because in the middle of me ending the sermon, I saw Jesus rebuking and calling down curses on people. And I said, if anybody's quick to understand this, they're going to think I'm running over this, not addressing this. Because they're thinking, I just said, go in the world and talk like, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Rogers. And all of a sudden, they're going to read the Bible or some cult like a Mormon or a Muslim who's going to try to get you to question your Bible is going to say, did you even know this crazy stuff was in here? And they're going to try to make you think Jesus was contradicting himself because in one place he says, don't call somebody a fool. And then Jesus rips him a new one and calls him a fool all over the place. What I'm doing is teaching you the truth of Christianity. The truth of Christianity is not niceness. Sometimes you need to be rebuked. Sometimes you need to be told who you are in the kingdom, and it's a good thing. But does that now give us the permission to go around the world treating people like this? Do we use this now as an excuse to call, a bunch, to call people a bunch of wild asses and whores and all that? No, because that's what that screaming guy's doing, right? But then the other one, as I was talking before, the lesbian couple wants to stay all away from this. No, there's a middle ground here. There's a middle ground here where we got to know how to preach the word and how to live in the world, the real world, where sometimes you got to tell people you're acting like a donkey right now. You're acting just like a wild ass. You got to be able to tell people that. And you got to tell people you're being promiscuous like a whore right now. You're acting just like one. Now, some of you have had those words spoken over you, and they were done wrong, and they hurt you, and they cut to the heart. But I'm going to tell you what. If I have to have those talks with you or a, or a leader or a friend, they're doing that because they love you. And Jesus loved these people enough to call them a brood of vipers. Paul did the same thing. Uh, the Bible's full of this language. I'll show you. It's not just the Old Testament. It's the New Testament. Galatians chapter 3, Paul said, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? James chapter 4 called them adulterous, whores, uh, 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 harlots, whatever words you want to use. It's all the same to these people, and he called them that as well. In uh, James chapter 4, he says right here, let me get this to scroll up for you guys. God's up. Oh, yeah, thank you. Which one? Oh, first part, thank you. It says here, you adulterous people, you whoremongers, 
You harlots, do you not know that friendship with the world means an enmity towards God? You make yourself an enemy of God when you trick on him, when you play tricks with the world. Are you listening? Or do you think the scripture speaks without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he calls to dwell in you? That's why he says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So here's what I want you to understand. It's the idea that we have objective morals, but even though we have objective morals, it doesn't mean that our our morals are not uh, in situations. So let me give you an example right here. I believe it's wrong to murder, but it's not always wrong to kill. Did you get that? See, I believe it's wrong to murder, but it's not always wrong to kill. I believe it's wrong to hit your hammer and say a cuss word, but I don't believe it's wrong to call somebody a fool if they're acting like one and God tells you to do it. See, I got to be honest with you as a pastor because my Jesus talked like that. My Jesus called them fools. You ready for revelation, Jesus? You ready for revelation, Jesus? (laughs) Y'all ain't ready for revelation, Jesus. (laughs) You ain't ready for revelation, Jesus. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. He called a woman in somebody's church a Jezebel. She was an impure woman. I have the whole talk here, and I may read through it because some of y'all are looking at me crazy, and I know I blushed a little bit, but listen to me. Yes, it's wrong to murder, but it's not always wrong to kill. Yes, it's wrong to go around calling people's names, but it's not wrong to describe bad behavior. Yes, it's wrong to get upset easily and to sin out of your anger and to try to make this an excuse. But it's not wrong to get angry about things. When our guys go to war, they're not going there saying, you bad guys, they're going there calling down the curses of God. When our police officers have to arrest people, when people deal with those situations, they're dealing with the tough things of life, and you may have to as well. I, as your pastor, can't tell you everything you say is going to be nice. I can't tell you that, but I can tell you this. God has the right thing for you to say in every time. So let me give you the idea here. It will take you just a moment, but grasp the idea. The opposite of objective is subjective. That means I believe there's an objective truth in life. It's not subjective. You don't get to choose it. But the opposite of of absolute is relative, meaning I don't believe it's absolutely always wrong to kill. I believe there are relative times to kill. Did you guys get that? I don't believe it's always absolutely wrong to get upset and call names. I believe it's okay. It's relative to the situation. Now, very little reflection is needed to see that relative does not mean subjective. Yet because one's moral duties are relative to one's circumstances doesn't in any way imply that they're subjective, that there is not an objective right or wrong thing to do in such a situation. So here's the deal. Just because I believe the situation can change how I'm going to act doesn't mean I don't believe there's an objective right or wrong. Who sets the right or wrong at that time? The Lord. Who tells me when it's time to kill or when it's time to run away? right? The Lord. Who tells me when it's time to call somebody by a name and say, this is how we're going to deal with you now, or when I say I'm going to bless my enemy, as Jesus said? The Lord. See, God sets the objective standard, but there are situations you have to be prepared for where tough language is used. So the distinction, objective, subjective, is not the same as absolute and relative. Absolute means regardless of the circumstances. So if the Bible is true, just look at it. Don't take my word for it, friends. I think that some of you don't understand that there would be a contradiction in our Bible. The Bible teaches us that if you call somebody a fool, you are guilty of sin. You cannot call people fools in the Bible. So how does Jesus get away with it. The reason why the Bible says don't call people fools and then another place Jesus calls people fools is because there's an objective standard that sets the wrong from the right and it's Jesus and in the situation he decides when it's right or wrong. 
It's his objective standard. Look at what it says, verse 22. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Do you see that? Somebody say, Jesus loved me enough to call me a fool. I'll show you right here. Now, why do I show you this? Because somebody can point this out in the Bible and say, well, here's the contradiction. Because now I'm going to point the scripture to you where Jesus calls them a fool. Now, when you go to Matthew chapter 23, verse 17, in that rant that Jesus had, I like that Jesus. So how many like the Jesus of Matthew 23? I still like the Jesus of 23. Even though he don't fit in the little baby in the manger thing anymore, I still like him. Amen. How many know he's not coming back as a baby in a manger? Amen. But he's coming back as a king upon a horse. Verse 17 of Matthew chapter 23, same book. You blind fools. Anyone who calls a person a fool is in danger of the fire of hell. I'm going to sit down now and let you all figure that out. See, in one place, he said, don't call him a fool. But then that other scripture the pastor showed us, he called people fools. Man, this Bible must be corrupt, dude. I can't follow this book. It's contradicting itself. If I didn't preach this message, what would you say to somebody? What are you going to say to them? What could you say back to them? They say, hey, man, come here, come here, come here. I'm, I'm going to go to Wright College, right? I preach the gospel all the time. They go, come here, man. You, you like the gospel? I'm going to show you where your Jesus contradicts himself. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 22 says, uh, don't call anybody a fool. Okay, cool. You agree with that? Don't call anybody a fool. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, now quickly turn with me to Matthew 23, verse 17. Matthew 23, verse 17. Now read it. And they're going to do this on video, too, because they want to blast you, make you look stupid. Now read it. Read it. Read it out loud so we can all hear you. You blind fools. What color is the writing? Red. What does that mean? Jesus is talking. Now explain it. What are you going to say back? See, I'm going to take him back to Ezekiel and go, you don't know my Jesus. I'm going to take him back to Jeremiah and be like, oh, you think that's bad? Let me show you some other stuff he called them. And then I'm going to explain to them the difference between absolute and relative. I have objective morals. They're not subjective. Objective morals mean my morals are always based in God's word. I don't change because people change. My objective morals come from God. But that doesn't mean they are absolute to whatever you think they are at that time. No, God has them in every situation. How about this? Don't lie. But Rahab lied to the spy, a lie to the people who want to get the spies. So I thought we weren't supposed to lie. Yeah, but you tell the truth there, everybody dies. He said, lie to them. Tell them they went this way. Ooh, the Bible said we can lie now, Mom. I'm going to lie to you. I'm at my friend's house. Really, I'm at, you know, George's, the boyfriend's house. Come on. No, how do we know the difference? Because our objectivity comes from God. We filter what we do from the example of God. And so the example of God is this. Does God speak words of purity? Does God bless his enemies? Does God love those who don't love him? Absolutely. Does he also call names? Absolutely. What's the difference? The situation. Everybody say the situation. Not talking about the Jersey Shore, but I am talking about the situation. This is going to be a little bit of a weird altar call now. Some of you are like, I don't even know, should I repent? Maybe I was supposed to cuss out that person. Maybe I was like, Jesus, I don't know what in the world is going on in my head right now. But watch. Here's the application. How we use words vary in circumstances, but will be judged by Jesus' objective standard of wholesome and edifying speech. 
So let me give you the example in close. I know I've been a little long, but let me give you the way I use this, okay? Number one, in my communication as I preach the word, there are times where I need to describe behaviors as such. I need to say, this is foolish. This is stupid. This is dumb. This person's perverted. I need to do that. Describe the behavior. And then sometimes to get people's attention, I need to call out the actual name of the behavior. It's not they're acting stupid. They're stupid. It's not they're just acting foolish. They're foolish. Do you get that? You've got to do that sometimes, friends. You've got to learn how to do that in judgment because here's the deal. You're going to be held before God on judgment, so you better make the right judgments down here because if you say, I'm not going to say that? What if God wanted you to say that? You see, you think taking the cowardly way out is going to be okay, but no, there are some things God is not cool with. Do you understand that? Okay. Other thing, family. Husband, wives, children, parents. Let's talk about this. Generally, I just describe behaviors. I'll just say to my kids, that's foolish. That's dumb. Don't do that. Don't be like this. Don't do that. But sometimes you may have to put a name on it to actually let them understand. Honey, if you live like this, you're living the life of a harlot. This is what a harlot does. You get that? That's what the Bible says, guys. I am so sorry if that offends your 21st century culture. If you like it differently, Ellen DeGeneres has a show you can watch five days a week that will tell you something different. And if you want another church that's not going to tell you this stuff, that you just go right down the road. But here's the deal. This is the only thing I ask you to do with that other church. If this causes you to leave, go get them those scriptures and see what they say. I guarantee you they will be put on blast and won't even know what to do with it. They won't even know what to do. They'll be like, oh, it was different because it was Jesus. Well, hold on. Paul did it too, Galatians. And did you, I bet you most pastors even know Jeremiah 2 is in there in Ezekiel. I, I, I guarantee I have. I have pastor friends. I know them. I teach pastors. I'm a professor. You know what I'm talking about, Jose. He's amen to me. We got to deal with this as Christians. But in the family, I describe behaviors. And then thirdly, on the job, some of you may have a, you know, you may be in the military. You may be a police officer, a teacher. You may have to be tough sometimes, right? But I would say use your words sparingly and show them that the actions lead to destruction. So when we go back to the scriptures, we see in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Fruit. We need to determine how we're going to speak. And so what I want to do uh, for the most part is I never want to be the one calling down curses. I, I don't want to do that. I know for you guys looking at me, you're like, that's so easy for you, Pastor. Look how easy it was for you to cuss. You can't tell anybody you haven't cussed now since 96. You cussed in church, you know? No, I'm telling you, I, like, to me, what a cuss word is to our culture, I don't cuss. But in the Bible, if you want to call that cussing, it's God getting real with people, right? And sometimes you got to do that. But here's the deal. I don't even like doing that. Some of you think of me like that. I'm that kind of guy. No, I'm not. I like to speak life. I like to speak life. I don't want, I don't want my words, even in those harsh moments, to bring death. And let's look at those, those times with Jesus. Do you think when you were getting ripped on, let's say you were a Jewish person, and because I know people are like, man, honey will bring in more things than vinegar, like more bees, whatever. And like, who wants bees anyway, right? But here's the deal. Uh, it, it's like, if Jesus was laying it down like that in 23, don't you think that was for somebody's good? Couldn't you imagine like after Jesus left, like 20, 30 years later, you're in church and, and, and somebody's like, man, how did you get saved? And, and one person's like, I went to a play and then Peter dressed up like Jesus and they hung him on a cross and I cried and then they called me up. And the one dude, and they were like, how did you get saved? One dude was like, well, I was in the audience of him preaching. He called me a blind fool, a whitewashed tomb, a hypocrite. He went after my mama, my daddy, my whole culture. He said I was a child of hell. 
And then I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, you're right. And I repented, and now I love Jesus. I think something like that happened. I really do. I don't think God is doing that for our harm. So in all honesty, can you say those words for people's good? If you can't, then leave it alone. I want Ellen DeGeneres to get saved. I want Oprah to get saved. I'll disciple them right now. My friend married the Kardashians. I got his number. I, he married them. I know these people who pastored these famous people. I'm telling you, I'm like one step away from being in their little get-together on that reality show. I'm telling you, but I will tell them the truth. You can't go to heaven like this. This is not how we live as Christians. We don't do this. You cussing just to cuss. You hit your hand on a hammer after this. You talking this way. You're taking the name of the Lord in vain. We, we're not supposed to do this. Our words should mean something. And if you look at Jesus, in my fourth closing here, thank you for your patience. My fourth closing, Jesus wasn't doing that all the time. My kids are right here. Two of them are right here. Have you ever heard me call you stupid or foolish or twice the son of hell or something like that? Have you ever heard me do that? Have you ever heard me talk to my wife, your mom, like that? Have you ever heard me yell at her and get angry with her? Hannah's hesitating. <laughs> Have you? I don't know. Have you heard me yell and get mad at her? Be honest. Kind of one time you remember. Maybe I did. But you don't remember it, Bethany? Where's my wife at? Does she remember a time? I'm telling you, I can't remember the last time since they've been born. Have I yelled and got angry at you in the last eight years? I think it was before that, right? Have you ever heard me say a swear word? Have you ever heard me take the name of the Lord in vain? Have you ever heard me Christian cuss at somebody? What we're calling Christian cussing now. Every now and then, maybe. But not the real bad words like the wild ASS. See, now I don't even want to say it now. Have I ever talked about the emission of a horse? The emission of a horse? Have I ever talked about that? No. Okay. I just want to clarify that. But that, that doesn't mean we're going to walk out of here not being true with our words. Amen? Let's pray right now and repent of the things we know we've done wrong. Altar workers and band, would you come, please? If you're here today and you would say, I know I have misused my words, either by cursing or speaking harshly to people, would you repent right now? The things that I repent for when it comes to this, like this week, is when I'm not patient with my wife, and generally my words are not even considered bad words, but they're just harsh words, words that are not spoken uh, with kindness, as the Bible says, goodness and love. That's what I repent for. But for you here, are you calling people sons of bees? Are you doing that in the hopes that they'll repent and come to know Jesus? Or are you doing that because you're vulgar? Are you doing it like Veep, like Lois Dreyfus or whatever her name is? Just F this, F that, you son of a B, gosh darn it, this and that. Come on, be honest. Repent of those things right now. See, I told you at the beginning, I, I, I listen to Trump, and you know what? I don't think that's helpful. That's Man, that's him being vulgar. Right? Now you be honest. Are you doing that? Repent. Let us all be honest with it. How about the way you talk to people in your family? Have you lacked compassion? The Bible says we should be patient with one another, guarding our words. Or do you just let words go out? Because you know what? The Bible says we're going to be held accountable for those empty words. Now, with those who, have, who are here that are praying, how about has somebody spoke those words over you? And maybe they were trying to help you. Maybe they just weren't mean. 
Maybe it was a parent, but every day they told you you were stupid or you're not going to amount to anything or you can't do it. And it just broke you down. It wasn't there to help you. It wasn't a Jesus moment. Would you ask the Lord to forgive them and then you forgive them? We're not saying it's right. We're just offering forgiveness. Pray for them to change and then pray for God to heal your heart. So those who have spoken those words or have received those words, come on, let's make it right with God right now. Let's let them heal our hearts. Let's guard our words, Jesus. And you better believe if we're ever going to get angry and upset in those times and use kind of strong words, we better watch them because we don't get permission to go off the handle as Christians, quote unquote, Christian cuss somebody out. No excuses. Be real. Be honest. As we're praying right now, if you don't know Jesus, by the way, you can ask him to be the Lord of your life. Just ask him into your heart. He'll forgive you of all your sins. He'll put a new self in you right now. He'll give you a new you. It will be for the glory of his name. He will help you as he helped me to change me, to live for him. A few more moments. Now, how about this? How about right now in your heart with your words, you think of situations that you're supposed to expose and you're supposed to help by telling the truth. Maybe it won't be as severe as the prophet Jeremiah. Maybe it won't be as severe as Ezekiel's examples. But you need to use your words to expose some things. Maybe you got to go to your boss and say, hey, there's people stealing on this job. i got to let you know there's some thieves here. They're thieving. Maybe you've got to go to some family members and say, hey, we can't let you do this anymore. You come around our family. You act this way. We can't invite you to the reunions because I'm going to tell you what, niceness is not Christ-likeness. Some of you got to confront some situations in your life. Do it with the grace of God. Some of you got to fire people. I mean, I got bosses and, and, and entrepreneurs in here. I know you got to fire people. And I'm telling you, ask for God's grace. Those who got to confront, those who got to confront, come on. Would you look up at me, please, and just let me tell you what I mean by confront. I was at an outreach one time, and God bless this young lady. Uh, I wasn't at the moment this happened, but my friend told me, but God bless her. She was from a college, and she was witnessing on Bourbon Street with everybody. And she said, oh, I got such a testimony. One of the girls I was talking to was going to come out as lesbian to her mom and dad, and she really wanted me to pray that everything would go well, and I prayed for her, and she was so happy, and we hugged and everything. And, you, you know, my friend's jaw just dropped and said, hey, we're not here to put him down or make him feel bad, but we're not praying that that is accepted. We're not praying that mom goes, I'm okay with this. You should have prayed that God would help her to know who she was made to be or something, you know. And if parents, I've seen parents slap kids as they're coming out. I'm not talking about that. God forbid, okay. I'm just talking like, do you understand there's a difference between hate and just accepting everything? There's a truth right here. And so what I mean is some of you got to use your words to expose things. You think you're being Christian because you're cool with it. I had another pastor friend tell me there was a group uh, of people living together in a Bible study, and uh, the leader was confronting them saying, hey, you know, this couple, you guys are, you know, you got to get it right, and, you know, we'll pray for you. And another couple, a Christian couple, a Christ, uh, also pastors, they were visiting and deciding they were going to live in New Orleans, started to argue with the leader going, hey, hey, we don't judge them. Only God judged them. And then told her story and said, before I was a Christian, I lived with my boyfriend for seven years. And my, my pastor never dealt with that. And it was okay. Do 
you get my point here? I'm not saying we hate, and I'm not saying we just get down with it. I'm saying we say the truth. So let's close our eyes and say, Jesus, help us to use our words to tell the truth. I don't want to be doctor angry, hateful, and I don't want to be doctor lie to you to make you feel good. Jesus, I want to be like you. When 